0: The Ezer Hashem we will continue in letter eleven of the Holy Letters of the Balatanya, Yerusha Kodesh, known as Laskil Chabina, to enlighten with understanding. We are going a very fascinating journey deep into the idea of enlightenment. We are discussing the past few days this fascinating sentence by the Balatanya, where he is essentially saying that by craving, by desiring, the life of the flesh, the light of God will not dwell within you. And in order to fully comprehend this We need to understand both what happens when we crave a life of the flesh and then we also need to understand what does the light of God dwelling within a person look like. The words Yishkun Oir Hashem is perhaps the most important words that there is in the whole entire Tanya, because as we explained in chapter 36 of Tanya, the Bala Tanya explains, it is well known what our holy sages have said, that the purpose of this whole entire world who That the purpose of this whole entire world is that God wanted to create a dwelling place for himself in this low down world. And ultimately speaking, that is a paradox. It's a paradox that God should dwell in this world. Because the difference between this world and all other worlds is that all of what we discussed about Kriyasi Yamsuf and heavens and the light and spirituality and angels and before the world is created and after the person passes away all of that describes a a life where one is fully cognizant one is fully aware one is fully perceptive of the fact that God is the creator of the world, and God is his creator, and God creates him at every moment, and that the purpose of, wor- of the world is to become one with God, to serve God, to know God in all your ways. But in fact, in this world, it's the exact opposite. In this world, everything about this world, when we say a low-down world, I want a dwelling place in this world, what we're actually saying is that this world, uh, a lowly abode, when we say the words, a, a low world, a world that's a takhtoim, when we're saying that it is a, it is a world that's takhtoim, that's low down, in the lower realms, what we mean when we say lower, we mean devoid, devoid, empty of knowledge of God. And this is why we are going very deep into the wedding because in order to fully understand this idea of Yishkun Eur Hashem, we must understand the paradox of life. And therefore we said, and this is something very beautiful, and if you can capture it with your mind's eye, you will see the magic of this whole entire sentence. You see... In our own body, in our own life, we have the mineral, which we said is sleeping, is brushing your teeth, is in your car. <coughs> it is your actual feet, from your heel till your toes. It's what keeps you standing, it's your, it's your function, it's your, it's, your, it's your structure, it's holding you. But it has no meaning other than the fact that it holds you, it preserves you. All your bones in your body, your bones, your, all your your entire bony structure, your your the skull in your head, the bones in your feet, all of that is mineral. It's the bone. It's the core of who you are, but it's your structure. The bone is nothing. The bone has no life force. But then the bone gets animated by. By 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 skin and by flesh, but all of that is still not the purpose. All of that afterwards, the skin and the flesh have to become animated. The mind and the heart, the mind is able to think and the heart's able to feel. So you have the mineral, which is a tremendous amount of what this world is, both in time, mineral and time, and this is extremely important to meditate on, even though it sounds very deep. There's mineral and time. Mineral and time means so much time that we're doing nothing. We're bone, it's like the bone structure of my body, the bone structure of my life. Bone, what does bone mean? Bone means it's hard, it's tough. What's the life force in the bone? Is the bone alive? Of course it's alive. But the bone is missing all life force. It does nothing there. When I'm asleep, am I alive? I'm alive, but am I really alive? Is there any function? I'm dreaming about nonsense, I don't even remember it. So there's the bone of life, which is the mineral of life, the object of life, The container, my home, my house is like the bone. I'm sitting, I'm I'm sleeping in my house. Because it's an object. My whole entire house is an object that's devoid of any godliness. The object just sits there, doesn't do anything. My chair doesn't do anything, but it holds me. My feet don't do anything, but they hold me. So when I brush my teeth, there's nothing going on, but it's preserving me. It's allowing me to be clean. When I'm in my car, when I'm sleeping, the sleep will allow me to appreciate the newness of life. So there is mineral, then there's vegetable. The vegetable is when I'm alone by myself, I'm growing. But if I'm just a growing and alone by myself, I'm in solitary confinement, I'm blind. It's a very painful experience because even over there, the spirituality, the soul, the life force is not enough. There's my vegetation in my life, right? The vegetable kingdom is not enough because all the beautiful flowers that you see by a wedding and all the vegetables in the world, as beautiful and as amazing as they smell, they don't have eyes. They're rooted in their own space. And as much as they're growing and as much as they're showing, they're not fully vital. They're not alive. They're not fully alive. They're not as alive as the animal kingdom. They cannot move around. They cannot make more of themselves. They're just rooted. If, God forbid, a person was put in solitary confinement, he would just be a vegetable. He would sleep, mineral, then he would wake up, and he would have this chitter-chatter in his mind this whole entire day. He would look at the four walls, and he would be alone. He would be a vegetable. His eyes would not function. He would have nobody to talk to. He wouldn't (coughs) use his mouth. He wouldn't interact with anybody. He'd be completely alone. Would you call that living? The key vegetable. But a big part of our life, we're like that, we're vegetable. But then, our animals it allows us to transcend the vegetable, which is our relationships with all different people. And all of a sudden, now we get out of rooted in our own solitary confinement, and we go around and we interact and we go to work and we talk and we talk to our children and we talk to everybody. And the animal kingdom could be nice. And the animal kingdom. Can keep, kingdom could be vicious, we could try to conquer people, and use people, and, 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 and sacrifice people, and do a lot of, if the animal runs wild, if your animal is wild, then it will just, it will turn into also a catastrophe, and then there's the human kingdom, the human is the ability to transcend your animal, to make intelligence out of it, to make an intelligent decision. And then there's taking your human and corrupting it, bringing it down into the animal. Taking the intelligence and saying, the animal that I have, I want to corrupt it. I want to do much worse than an animal would ever do. Right, so the animalistic behavior is that I want to conquer, I want to make, I'm I'm selfish. I want to have children for myself. I want to have more food. And then there's taking the intellect and falling down into the animal, which means to become corrupt, means to run after my addictions, to run after my animal, to serve, to worship my animal, to take, to take the animal and make an intelligence out of it, and make it my whole entire life and run after my animal. So in my own life, my human... When do I discover my intelligence? When I'm making meaning of my whole entire life. It doesn't take too many moments because my intelligence is in my brain. When I look at my life, my mineral is when I'm empty of anything, I'm sleeping. My vegetable is when I'm alone by myself. My animals, my interacting, my feelings, experiences with other people. And my human is when I'm making a meaning of all of this. What is the meaning of all of this? The meaning of my self-development and the meaning of my experience. Is the meaning all for me just to have a good time over here? Or is there a deeper meaning over here? So when I rise up to my head, my intellect, when I rise above my heart, above my feelings, above my selfishness, I rise up to my, my mind, now I can start asking, what's the purpose of it all? So over here we see a paradox. We see an opposite idea. The lower I go, the, the more, the more, the harder it becomes. If I go to mineral, you say, what do you mean a person gonna sleep, God forbid, the whole entire day in, in a hospital is terrible. If I go to my vegetable and you stay there, I say, what do you mean, I'm gonna be in solitary confinement my whole entire life, just be myself, you know how alone I'm gonna feel? if I stay in my animal which is still low but it's not as low as the vegetable and mineral then what am I going to say? I'm just an animal. I'm just running after my passions. Could that give me any happiness? And then if I sit in my human which is my head I say over there there's enlightenment. Over there things are starting to become clear. So where is the paradox? The paradox is how low do you go? You understand? You have four levels in you. The lowest is your feet. The lowest is your mineral. The next one is your vegetable. The next one is your animal. The next one is your human. So in this world, there's four, le- four steps going down. You always have to be on the top step in order to be able to have Yishkun or Hashem. In order to be able to have the light of God dwelling within your body, you always have to be above. You have to be above, you below. You see the paradox? If you're below, if you're right, Hashem created this world so he can make a dwelling place in, he can make a home for himself in this world. But we're in this world. By getting trapped in the mineral? By being asleep? By getting trapped in the vegetable? By being totally alone into your brain, into your, your anxieties the whole entire day? By being selfish? By being in your animal? Or by dwelling in your human? By dwelling in your mind? So Yishkun Oir Hashem, the light of God dwelling within a person, is a tremendous paradox because the whole idea is to lift up your mineral. That your mineral should serve your vegetable. And your vegetable should serve your animal. And your animal should serve your human. And that your human should serve God. And over here we introduce another level. which up until now, we were talking about human, which is your mind, your intellect, and God as the same thing. But the truth is, there's really a fifth level. And over here, you see this becomes very, very magical. You see, by the khuppah, a person discovers something fascinating. He discovers, number one, that him and his spouse are one. But what is he really discovering? He's really discovering that it's not only him and his spouse are one, but that his marriage reflects the divine marriage. Because the divine marriage is that God, who's infinite, who's the neshama of all the neshama, the soul of all the souls, the indescribable is becoming one with Him. And this might sound very deep, but it's extremely important to meditate on. Because a husband and wife, why do, we have to, why do they have to become one unit? Because they, husband and wife, is the wife of Hashem. So when we say the sheva brachas, if you look very carefully, it looks like in the sheva brachas we are sanctifying marriage. But in fact, what we are doing is, what does it mean to sanctify my marriage? Did you ever think about this? You're saying all these brachas by the sheva brachas, and it almost seems like husband and wife are trying to become one. But in fact, at the core of the sheva brachas is not only the unity of husband and wife, but that the husband and wife will become one and they will become a wife. A wife of who? Of Hashem. Because what are we saying in the brachis? We are saying something unbelievable. We are saying, Borachata Hashem Yoitsa Adam. Right first we say Shakobar al Khvoyday, which means that you gave me my individuality, which me means me, my own individuality, my wife's individuality, and now we become one unit. But then right after we say, Yotzer esa odom batalmoy. Hashem, you formed me in your image. You have planted within us a vision of you, and you've given us a means which we may flourish through time. What does that mean? What does it mean? It means I want to have Yishkan Hashem. I want my light to be present within you. But if my light's present within you, you die. You become nothing. So how do I hold, how do you hold on to me, to me, God? How do you know God? How do you hold on to your soul? How do you hold on to your life force? And at the same time, not get obliterated. At the same time, not disappear. Through marriage. I'm going to give you the metaphor of marriage. Because me and you, you in your own private life, you as the man, you as the woman. Hashem saying, me and you, The goal of this world is for us to become one. I want to dwell within you. But if I dwell within you, you become nothing. Hashem saying, if I dwell within you, you become nothing. So how can I dwell within you and you still be there and I still be there and we both have a marriage? And so Hashem said, therefore I make you man and wife. The man is going to dwell within the woman. The woman is going to hold the man. They're going to become one unit. And that story, when that happens, when that happens with you and your wife, and that marriage is sanctified, then that marriage, the husband and wife, will become the wife of God. Which means that home will, have a, will be a home The will be will rest in that home. And how will such a marriage happen? When you realize that your own marriage, which cannot be an animal marriage, it has to be a human marriage. Your own marriage is just a metaphor for Hashem's marriage. And if you understand that it's a metaphor for Hashem's marriage, you understand that you have to be in a space of sanctification. You see, a person has an eye, The eye has two parts. The physical part of the eye, which is the pupil and the eye. When you look at someone's pupil, you see the world, you see magic. And then there's the spirituality, the soul in the eye that allows the person to see. Now which one is the purpose? Which one is the main thing? Is it the body of the eye, the pupil? Or is it the spirit, the soul that's in the eye that allows to see? And that person also has an eye. So then you say it's the soul. But a blind person also has a soul in his eye, but he cannot see. So do you see an eye, what is an eye? Can you separate an eye? The magic of sight. The magic of sight. Can you separate it by the body of the eye, the pupil, and the spirit, the soul that's seen through the eye? No, the soul that's made for the eye, that comes together with the actual physical eye, creates the magic of sight. That is the whole entire story of marriage. Who's the main thing? The the husband or the wife? Who's, what's the main in your life? Is it your body or is it your soul? How are you able to see? Through your body or through your soul? No, it's the soul and body coming together that allows the magic of sight. So in that sense, the, the woman is like the body. She's gonna hold the child, she's gonna create the child, she's gonna form the child. And the man is producing the seed, he's producing the light, he's the soul. And when they come together they have the magic of sight. When two separate people become together as one, because they were one soul. That's the beauty of sight. That sight, being able to see is a magical experience. So ultimately speaking, the goal of all entire marriage, any marriage, you understand the marriage of my eye with my soul, will allow me the, the birth of sight. The intellect, my soul and my mind, through my brain will allow me to produce new thoughts. My heart, with the soul in my heart, will allow me to feel passion. Ultimately, it's the magic of marriage in my own body to my own soul, in me and my wife, married. It's the marrying of opposites that is the translation of Yishkan Arashem. And the more sanctified I become, the holier I become. As I go up every level in this world, I get a paradox. I get the revelation of Hashem, which means that I constantly have to go higher, which is the most unbelievable idea. Because how is a tzaddik using his eye? When you come, why do you want to come to a tzaddik? Why do you want to come to a to 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 an enlightened person? Because when he looks at you, what does he just see? Does he just see what is With his eye, physical eye, does he see a physical person? Does he see a person in front of him with a story, with an image? Or does his eye penetrate your eyes? And does his eye penetrate your soul? And he could see past, your past lives and your future life. He could see your potential with his physical eye. He is so enlightened, he has gotten to such a high level. He's sanctified his own marriage, his own eyes, his own life, he's went to a space where him and God, Is one, Yishkan Ad Hashem, is happening in his mind. So is his eye, a regular physical eye like your eye, which is trapped, which maybe your eye is in your animal, maybe your eye is in your animal kingdom, maybe your eye is even in your human kingdom, maybe for a moment in time you're praying and you're seeing, or is his eye fully Yishken Ad Hashem, is the light of God in his eye? And if the light of God in his eye, do you know how magical his eye is? He can see through generations, he could see through your whole structure. He could see everything about you. And when he looks at you for one moment like that, you look at yourself like that. And now you become a magical person. You become a miracle person. There's no problems in your parnossa. There's no problems in anything. And you ask him one question, and he looks with the light of the Torah, and he gives you an answer in a second. And now all of a sudden, everything becomes clear. Why is it that one moment in time, you come to a Rebbe, you come to a Tzadik, and you tell him, and he looks at you, and all of a sudden, you look at yourself differently. Because in his eye, it wasn't just regular animal kingdom, even human kingdom, but it was. It was that I created you in my image, because the tzaddik has transcended even his human, because his human is now doyma because now he is married with God, and when he's married with God. The ecstasy, the the the, the 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 godly energy is Yiskenat Hashem. So now his eye becomes a magical eye. It's much more profound. It's much more. It's much more. It's much more enlightened than you could possibly imagine. And now when this Sadek looks at you with his eye, which his eye is penetrates through, says Moshe Rabbeinu's eye. Hundreds of miles, he made a sanctification in the land. Literal, physical. You weren't able to look at Mosh When you go to a Rebbe, a real tzaddik, you look at his eye and you become changed. You become frightened. Not from fright, from aweness. Because you see an eye with, a, with the light of God dwells in that eye. Because that eye is so nullified to God. It's so holy, it's so sanctified. So at that moment, the eye loses its physical ability. To, it loses its physical entrapment. And it becomes magical. But is it, is it not still an eye? It's still an eye. So ultimately speaking, Hashem wants a dwelling place in this world in a way of Yishkunot Hashem, that a person's heart and his eye, he will lose his eye, the sense of eye, the sense of self. Because as you go up, up each level, you become less holding on to the Chayim B'Sarim. You are holding on less to the physical eye, and it's becoming more spiritual. But it's that paradox, right? Because that tzaddik's hovering through the highest level. He's hovering, he's basically in the next world, but he's still here. And that's what means Yishken Oyr the divine presence through your body. Yishken Oyr is a paradoxical thing. I'm here, but I'm not here. But you can't have your sense of self, you can't have your you can't have a regular eye, you come to a tzaddik because his eye is something entirely different. But it's with his physical eye that he's looking at you. He's, the energy he's giving you is through his physical eye. So ultimately speaking, all of marriage is to become as holy as possible, is to, become a, to, to go to a state where the body is just a portal, it's just an a, 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 a opportunity for Hashem to be dwelling in this world. And a person can only discover that by going higher, by rising above, and by rising above, you have to lose your attachments to all of physicality. You have to lose all your desire for physicality. You have to be in a space of Yishkeno Hashem that you want to discover the meaning of your life. You want to discover how does it look that Hashem and, one, and, 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 and my human, I'm Hashem and my body could become one.